Would you go with me please to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12. The Bible said in this 12th chapter, you know a lot of people refer to this as the chapter on the gifts of the Spirit. And it does talk about the gifts of the Spirit. But really uh, most of it deals with the body of Christ. And that's uh, not incompatible because the gifts and manifestations manifest through the body. That's how they operate. And he said in verse um, 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body's not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? No, it's still part of the body. If the ear would say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. So that is describing us. Every one of us is a member in the great body of Christ. He is the head of the body. And we're the body. And we're not all the same member. We're different members, aren't we? And why would he go on talking about a ear saying, well, I'm not the eye, so I'm not really a part. He referred to that more than once, that idea. Well, obviously, there's a big problem of people looking at other body parts and wanting to be that and not magnifying the part that they are and not being thankful and developing in that. You know, it's always easier to romanticize about something you don't know anything about. Oh, if I could do what they do. Yeah, but if you'd been doing what they do, as long as they do it, would you see it the same way? No, you wouldn't. And so it's easy, you know, you know you. You know your, you know, challenges and your failures and shortcomings. And and people you don't know, you can see them from afar off and maybe see what part of the body and their graces and their abilities. And and you can... uh, you know, think, oh man, that's what I want to be. No, you want to be what you are. You want to be what God has called you and ordained you and created you to be. Because that's the only thing you'll ever be good at. You're only graced to do that and be that body part. Now, there are millions of people trying to do something else without success. So we've been on this for some weeks now. We call it graces and places. Graces and places. We'll review just a little bit. We found out from the scripture that everybody, every one of us, has a God-given place where we fit. And every one of us has God-given grace or graces giftings and abilities everyone somebody say everyone Everyone. not just a few not just preachers every member of the body of christ is graced 
and gifted to fit somewhere and do a specific job that nobody can do like they can do. 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says, Every man has his proper gift of God. Ephesians 4, 7, just listen to these, don't try to turn to them. Ephesians 4, 7 says, Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Romans 12 and 3. He said, I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. To how many? To who? Every man, everybody, every one of us, everyone, has a God-given grace or gift or plural, graces and gifts, and that enables us to fit in a place. An ear is grace to be an ear, and it only fits here. <laughs> a hand is grace to be a hand, and it only fits here. It only works right. I mean, what if you swapped your hands and your feet? Would that work? You know, try combing your hair with your feet. Cooking supper with your feet. Boy. <laughs> Typing on the computer with your toes. I didn't say it couldn't be done, but oh man, these are better. And try walking around on these all day. They're not made for it. They're not strong enough. I know you'd be breaking fingers all the time and you'd have everything strained and bruised. And Why? Now, I know that sounds weird to us, but you know we got people in the body of Christ that have decided, I want to do this. And so they're out of their place and they're out of their grace and it's not going well for them. Do you want to find where you fit? Do you want to discover what you are and what you're called to be and grace to be? And do you want to pursue it? Life is short. You don't have decades to mess around and do well. You know, we said this before that, you know, parents sometimes well-meaning, but they tell their sons and daughters, they say, honey, you know, you're smart. Son, you're handsome. Uh, y'all are you're intelligent. You can do anything you want to do when you grow up. You can be anything you want to be. Well, if you're a Christian, that's not true. I said, if you're a Christian, that's not true. It's not for you to decide. And, you know, uh, we should know this, but people go to junior high and they go to high school and career days and deciding what do I want to be? What do I want my major to be? And what do I want to pursue? And, and people act like it's just totally up to me, whatever I want to decide. If you're a Christian, it's not up to you. That's already been decided for you. I know this sounds like foreign thinking to masses of Christians, but it's because people have gotten so far away from the Word of God and a real lifestyle of commitment to God. It is not for us to decide what we want to be. It's for us to discover what God has already foreordained and chosen for us to be and to do. And when we find it, follow it. And do it with all our might. And be faithful. Can you say amen? amen? Now we've talked about this for some weeks now. On the Friday nights. Let me review just a little bit more. We found out. That God has ordained. The Bible said the times appointed. And the places where men dwell. The fact that you were born. At this time in history. Is not an accident. How I many of you could have been born in the 1700s? 
You could have been born in the 1500s. You could have been born. Why now? People think, well, you know, I was an accident. My parents weren't even expecting me. You were not a surprise to God. Oh, no. No. And I'm not saying everything that happened where you were or everything that happened in your growing up was God. I'm not saying that. But the general things about when people are born and where they're born and some of the things they're around, this is not just happenstance. It's not just chance. The Lord, how many of the Lord knows the end from the beginning? And he knows those who will believe on him. Doesn't he? He said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. He knows even before you're born. He knows. And so based on that, he already has the place where you fit. He already has the course for your life to follow. From in. He's not trying to figure it out. He's already got it. Had it before you were born. And you don't need to try to figure it out. You need to find it out from him. And how many know you'll never come up with a better plan than his? So we saw that God, he's involved in that. But then also we can identify our call. We can begin to see some things in the desires. And I'm just summarizing what we already took hours to cover. The Bible said he works in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And the graces that are in us give us abilities. Some things you're born with. And it comes easy to you. What other people may struggle with, it comes easy to you. That's not because you're just so amazing. It's because you're graced in that area. And that should be an indicator to you of what you should be doing. And where you fit. And you'll see some people in the world that don't serve the Lord. And you can tell they have gifts. But they're prostituting them for money and for personal glory. Well, how many know you ought to use what God gave you to glorify him and to serve him, not use it just for yourself? So these callings, these desires help define us. And then finally, we talked about this, that you must separate yourself to the call. Even though you're called to something, it's not going to just happen automatically. You've got to give yourself to it. And you've got to separate yourself from other things that would take up all your time and energies and give yourself to it. It's like people who we might say are natural athletes. You know, there are some people, they just have the, the frame, the musculature, the, uh, the heart, the, the breathing capacity that another person could work out their whole life and never come into half the ability that this person was born with. But you understand, no matter what kind of body they've got, no matter what kind of natural ability, they have to apply themselves, don't they? If they're going to reach top skill, just having that ability and grace is not enough. Maybe they want to do other stuff and goof off, but if they're going to develop, they have to separate themselves from playing and goofing off, and they have to give themselves to practice. Well, this is true with the things of God. you got to separate yourself from being fleshy and wasting time and goofing off and doing dumb stuff and give yourself to the area that you're called and graced because just because you're graced doesn't mean it develops automatically. And over a period of time, you develop in it. Now go with me to 1 Peter, please. 1 Peter, 
and the fourth chapter, 1 Peter 4 and verse 10. As every man, how many? Every man has received the gift. Let me just stop right here. Do you have a gift or gifts in you? How many in here believe you have a gift or gifts in you that the Lord has put in you that enabled you to be the part of the body that he's made you to be? Now, we're going to begin to see this. Well, I'm, let me not get ahead of myself. As every man has received the gift, do what? Even so, minister the same one to another. What are these gifts for? Not just for ourselves, it's to minister to each other, isn't it? The places that we have in God are not just positions of prestige. They are stations of service. Why are you gifted? Why are you graced? To be of service. Real service. To the brethren. To the body. To the church. And how many believe it with all your heart that you got something in you? You got something in you. That God put, it may not be developed that much, but it's there. And it's something the body needs. It's something the church needs. It's something your brothers and sisters need. There are no unnecessary parts of the body. There are no parts and members of the body that have no grace, that have no use, that has no purpose. Now the devil lies to people all the time and tells them, ah, you're too young. You're not good for anything. You're too old. You're not good for anything. You're not this. You're too dumb. You're not, you're too intelligent. You know, you're this, you're that, you know, you lies, 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 lies. Everybody has something in them and on them. God made you this way that the church needs. How many are thankful in this church for every person that's doing a job? I mean, everybody that's cleaning, everybody that's working in the children's, everybody that's working in the parking lot. Are you thankful for all these things? Every usher, everybody in music, everybody working with the youth, everybody, every, are you thankful? Are you thankful? Are you thankful? The enemy has been able to deceive the church in a large part over the last several centuries to where people think that ministry is somebody that is a minister and that they do the praying and they do the preaching and the people come and sit and listen if they want to and then leave. But that's not true at all. So you got a handful of people wearing themselves out, barely touching the breadth of ministry that needs to be done, not, not half doing it. And I got all these folk that are coming and sitting and doing nothing and are not developing. And here's the worst part. will have little or no reward on the other side. We're not supposed to see how few people can be involved. Everybody's supposed to be doing something. 
I've been to a few places, not too many, but a few, where some people begin to get a hold of this. I got out of one place, and there were four guys trying to carry my briefcase. And there were five guys over there. I mean, people everywhere smiling and ready and trying to help. And it's the good spirit about the place. We have some of that. But we could increase. How many we could increase as many people as say this is their church and come here? How many more people could be involved? We got teams all over the place. And we got teams that will be developing. And if you're not doing anything, I'm telling you, friend, the time is short. You need to get to finding out, what can I do? What can I add? What's God put in me? Because you have something in you that'll minister to your brothers, that'll help your brothers and sisters, that'll help the body. Get to exercising it. He says here, be good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Somebody say good stewards. Good. Well, if he says good steward, what other kind of steward could a person be? Well, if you could be a good steward, obviously you could be a bad steward. A bad steward. You're right there in Peter. Go back to 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 1. says, We then, as workers together with Him. We work together with Him. We work together with each other, with him. Beseech you also that you what? Receive not the grace of God in vain. Now there he said, be good stewards of the grace of God. Here he cautions and warns that you not receive the grace of God in vain. What would that mean? It means God gave it to you. It's there. But it did no good. It was for nothing. It was in vain. Now this is not a good thought, but it's the truth. We need to look at it. How many people do you suppose in the body of Christ have gifts in them, graces in their life, but they're not doing anything with it? And they're not going to do anything with it. The grace given to them is in vain. God didn't mean for it to be in vain. He meant for it to produce something. But it's not doing anything. I know when I first began to minister Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry in the healing school, I saw early on it was the anointing that made the difference. I couldn't heal anybody. I couldn't set anybody free, but the anointing could. And so I began to get very uh, hungry for stronger anointing, greater anointing. So I pled with the Lord, Lord, you know, add to me. Increase the anointing. I saw other people, you know, like Brother Hagen, that had strong anointing on their life. And I'm just getting started. And of course, I'm not thinking that he didn't start out that way. He's been operating that way for all these years. It's been increasing and growing. Nobody starts out at the ultimate place you're called to or at the full level of anointing and ability. If you don't start where you are, you stay where you are. But if you start and are faithful with what you have, the Lord adds to you. I just pled with him. That's all I, you know, in my ignorance, I just kept saying, Lord, give me a stronger anointing, you know. Let the anointing come stronger on me. Let the anointing come stronger on me. And uh, I did this, I don't know, for months, probably years, and off and on. And one day I'm laying in the floor in the speaker's room. I'm going to lay hands on people that afternoon in the healing school. And 
Of course, I got it on my mind. I'm about to stand in front of people that are told they can't live. And and I know I can't fix them, but the anointing can. So I'm saying, oh, Lord, let the anointing be stronger. Oh, Lord. And he spoke to my heart. He said, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I thought, yeah, I know faithfulness is good. Sure could use some more anointing right now, though. You know, a lot of times the Lord's answering our prayer and we don't have enough smarts to realize that we're not putting the two together. I said, yes, Lord, I, I'll study on that sometime. But I sure could use some more anointing this afternoon. And I kept praying and I said, oh, you know, more anointing. And the Lord said to me, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I thought, okay, I'm not getting this. I said, Lord, help me. I Yes, sir, I know I'm supposed to be faithful. And I realize you're answering my question, but I'm not seeing it. And the Lord said this to me. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but inside me, like he'll communicate with every Christian if you'll get quiet and pay attention. He spoke to my heart. He said this. He said, son, he said, all of my children, every one, sounds like these verses, every one of my children receive anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. Is that true? I'm asking him about the anointing. Didn't the Bible say you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost has come on you and you'll be witnesses. And so is it true that everybody that's filled with the Spirit, they receive power? They receive an anointing. Do they? Is it true? That's what he told me. He said, every one of my children, when they're filled with the Spirit, they receive an anointing. He said, many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why would they need more? Well, why would you need more anointing to watch TV (laughs) or to play cards or goof off? Why would you need? You know, the anointing is not just so we can sit in our chair and go, whoo, 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 that's it, whoo. (laughs) Anybody can praise and worship their way into the presence of God and you can get some of that. But the anointing is on us to be a blessing. To bring deliverance. To bring healing. He said many of them have done nothing with it. Why would they need more? He answered my question. I'm saying Lord more anointing. More anointing. What did he tell me? Faithfulness. And he went on to help me see. Be faithful with what you have. In other words. If you're using what you've got. To the best of your ability. And the Lord sees that. He'll add to you. He'll increase you. If you do nothing with it, well, you don't need more. What do you need more? You're not doing anything with what you have. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. See, uh, preachers in particular are stewards of the revelation that God gives them. And of course, the revelation that God gives ministers is not just for themselves, it's for the people. Verse 2, moreover, it is required. It's what? Required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. Now, you want... To identify your graces. You want to identify them. And you want to develop in them. Don't you? 
so that they are fully developed and they are as strong as they should be. Because only that enables you to operate in the place you're supposed to be in. And here we have a big key. We've already seen some keys. We need to trust in God that He's already involved in this more than we knew. And us being born where we were and the influences we've had and all the things and the desires He's put in our heart and, and the things we were born with. I mean, He's already big in this with us. He's faithful. Now, here's the big thing. We need to be faithful with what He's showing us and giving us, do our part so that we do find and develop it. Now, it's required that a man be found faithful. Go with me to uh, Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke chapter 19. There are just two things that I feel like we should touch on tonight relative to this great big word called faithfulness. Just two things. But I assure you, if you get a hold of these two things and do them, you'll be faithful. Just two things. It takes faith and obedience to find your place and begin to operate in it. First of all, you've got to believe it's there. Just like that goose that jumps up and starts flying. They don't have a GPS. They're not talking to air traffic control. <laughs> they just know there's a yonder there somewhere that I'm supposed to be. And they just head that away. <laughs> Man, if we just had goose faith. <laughs> And goose obedience. <laughs> you believe it's there. You believe God's holding your hand. He's already walking with you. He's already been doing much more than you know. And you believe you'll find it. You'll find it. It'll find you. And then when something comes up that you know to do, you just go ahead and, and do it. Faith and obedience will help you find that place. But that's not all there is to it. There's been many a man and a woman who found their place only to leave it shortly thereafter. And it's tragic. Because if you leave your place, you're out of your grace. You're a body part trying to be something somewhere else that you're not grace to be or do, and you are only going to have frustration. You do it year after year, you'll get bitter because you'll think, why won't God help me? And I've prayed my heart out. And why won't this work? You're out of your place. He's not going to change his mind and say, oh, okay, I had the perfect plan, but we'll just scrap that and go with what you want to do. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. It takes faith and obedience to find your place and get in there. But that's not the end. Then it takes faithfulness to stay there and develop and finish it. Somebody say finish it. It takes faithfulness 
Somebody say faithfulness. Faithfulness. You want to hear the two things? That if you'll do them, you'll be faithful? Number one, be faithful in the small thing. Somebody say small thing. Faithful in the small thing. Oh, people are missing it in this right and left by the millions. Be faithful in the little thing. Secondly, we've already referred to it. Be faithful for the long haul. Somebody say little thing and long haul. (laughs) You get these two? You do these two? One day you'll hear these words. Well done. Anybody want to hear that besides me? (laughs) I'm not talking about you hearing me say it. I'm talking about your master, the Lord Jesus, the head of the church, looking at you, looking at you, calling your name, saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Go to to Luke 19. Let's read that passage that talks about that. What two things are we talking about tonight? The little things and the long haul. Say it out loud. Little things and the long haul. Without too many words, that describes faithfulness. Luke 19 and 17. It's where we get those words I was just shouting about. Verse 17. He said, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a what? Very little. Have thou authority over ten cities. (laughs) You reckon? That there actually be those among us that'll be governor over ten cities in the world to come? You can say, I knew him. I knew him back in Branson. (laughs) Or you could be him (laughs) or her. Somebody say, hey. What would get you there? What would get you there? What would get you there? Specific with that verse. What? Faithful in what? In the little. In the little. Now we'll talk about long haul a little bit later. Right now we're talking about little. Faithful in the little. You know, you read some things in the Old Testament. And you may wonder why God was the way he was about some things. You remember the first generation he delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And that manna situation. Remember that? (laughs) He said, all right, go pick it up. He said, but don't save it. So naturally, what did they do? They saved it. Made him mad. Made him mad. Did the Bible say it made him mad? Made him wroth. Why 
would God get mad over them just saving a little manna? Because the little things aren't really so little. They show the heart. I said they reveal the heart. And what was their heart? Unbelieving. And so then he said, okay, don't go out and get it today. So naturally, what'd they do? They went out to get some. Oh, man, made him angry. Friend, go to the 16th chapter. You're just right there by it. 16th chapter of Luke. What are we talking about right now? Anybody know? Little things. When you begin to see it from God's eyes, the little things aren't so little. You're looking at the outward appearance. You think, well, what's the big deal with the few dollars? Or what's the big deal with the manna? What's the big deal? God's looking at the heart. And it is a big deal. Luke 16, verse 10. He that is faithful in what? In that which is least is faithful also in much. Why? Because he's just a faithful man. She's just a faithful woman. See, a lot of people like to think, well, you know, well, I, I, I know I kind of botched that up and I didn't show up for that, but you know, that's, what's the big deal about that? Now, if y'all got something important going on, man, I'll be there. No, you wouldn't. Jesus said you wouldn't. Didn't he? Well, I know I blew that and I didn't obey with that $10, but you know, man, if it was a thousand, now, man, I'd pray and be led with that. No, you wouldn't. Jesus said you wouldn't. Didn't he? No, you wouldn't. So when you begin to realize this, the little things aren't so little. Are they? Oh, my. I mean, from the time children are small, you begin to see. They cut corners. They didn't do what they were told to do. Hmm? And people laughing, oh, well, they're just kids. Uh-uh. No. Do you want them to fail in life or do you want them to succeed? We live in a society that is entirely too loose. Everything's all right. Nothing's a big deal. Ah, you know. Churches, for the most part, have done away with that S word, sin. Oh, we don't like to talk about sin. That's it's uncomfortable. People have issues. <laughs> they have issues. And they're working on it. They mean well. You know, they won't listen to you. But they got a good heart. Says who? Says who? No, friend. Our heart is shown in the little things. True or not? Now, I haven't digressed. What am I talking about tonight? I'm talking about you finding your God-ordained place. Are you with me now? And you finding your course and running your race and being what God made you to be and doing everything that you were put down here to do. So that when you get out of here, you look at him and you hear him say those words. And so many people 
are waiting for that big thing and then they're going to jump in there and give it their all and they don't realize there's no big thing coming until you've been faithful in a little thing. Y'all with me, friends? Is this my idea or are we reading scriptures here? Look at it again. He that is faithful in what? That which is least is faithful also in much. He that is unjust in that which is least is unjust also in much. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now let's stop right there. What is that? What's unrighteous mammon? He's talking about money. Natural money and stuff. If you hadn't been faithful in that, who will commit to your trust the true riches? A lot of folks hadn't preached on this, hadn't talked about this. They won't act like, oh, it's the spiritual stuff that's important. All that money stuff doesn't matter. That's not what this verse says. This verse says if you're not faithful with that, you don't qualify for the bigger stuff. When's the last time you heard a sermon on that? (laughs) Oh, that money stuff, that's not important. It's not as important as the other stuff. But if you're not faithful with that, you don't qualify for the other stuff. I remember Brother Hagin telling this account that in the early days of his ministry, there was an occasion where a fellow had come in and preached for him and just caused him trouble in his church, all kind of trouble. And man, he was tempted to just close the meeting and send him on his way. And the Lord told him, no, don't you do that. You take him up a good offering and send him away. Man, he wasn't inclined to do it at first. And and because the guy hurt him, caused him problem, but he got in his own pocket and he made it, he made it up, made it good and sent him on his way. And another time a guy came by and was trying to get to another place, a preacher and came to his town on the bus and they met and he asked him to speak. And, and the Lord dealt with him while the guy was speaking that the reason he stopped there is because that's as far as he could get. His money was out and he's trying to get home for Christmas. It was this time of year and for him to sow him a certain amount. Well, that was most of the money he had. And he's got Christmas coming up himself. And man, he wrestled in his head back and forth. And But thank God he obeyed. He sent the brother on his way with the money. And then not too long after that. He was ministering to some minister friends of theirs whose wife was deathly ill, bedfast in their home. And they'd been in there praying off and on for two or three days. And the Spirit of God came on him, said, go stand at the foot of the bed and say this. And he did. And the woman got up out of the bed and walked and was healed. And said that afternoon, they're sitting in the backyard, all of them together, eating watermelon. Just an hour or two ago, she was near death in there in the bed. And he's now listen to this, though. He said, the Lord said to him, if you hadn't obeyed me on that offering for that man, and if you hadn't obeyed me on that thing with that other, I couldn't have used you on this. Isn't that this verse right here? If you've not been faithful in the natural things, the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? So the little things aren't so little, are they? The natural things aren't so insignificant, are they? They matter because your heart matters. Your obedience matters. Doesn't it? And if you're faithful on the little thing, what do we know? What does the Lord know? You will be faithful in more and so you're going to get more. What if you're not faithful in the little thing? Then you wouldn't be faithful in the bigger thing and you don't need it. 
And you shouldn't have it. Keep reading. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No man can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Two things he mentioned. Being faithful in natural things, he mentioned specifically money. And also being faithful in what somebody else is. How many in here work for somebody else? Then that's theirs. You should be faithful with what's theirs. If you're not faithful with what's theirs, you don't qualify to have your own. Is that right? Is that what he said? I know the Lord allowed Phyllis and I to serve and help with uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen Sr. and Miss Aretha. The Lord began to show me early on, and Phyllis and I sat down and talked about it. And the Lord actually told me this, and I told her what he told me. He said, I have sent you to help. I have sent you to learn. I did not send you to judge. What does that mean? It's theirs. So how do we do it? Their way. What if they're not doing the way I think they ought to be doing? The Lord didn't send me to judge a thing. He sent me. Let's go over it again real slow. He sent me to help. He sent me to learn. He said, I did not send you to judge. And so we served with them for 20 something years. And one day the spirit of God spoke to me. He said, now I'm going to give you your own. That's that verse right there, isn't it? But see, so many people, they don't know how to serve others. They have to run it. It has to be their way. They don't know how to serve. They think, well, it ought to be done like this, or it ought to be done like that. Well, is it yours? No, but that's just how I see it. And that's, (laughs) you know, we told the story before about, uh, you know, Phyllis and I are from the South. We grew up. We're probably playing with tomatoes when we were two years old. <laughs> you got tomatoes in the south now. And we begin to help them. And she was in the kitchen one day with Brother Hagen. And, and she was starting to peel a tomato. And he said, no, that's not how you do that. Let me see that. Let me show you how. Well, you could think, man, I've peeled, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of tomatoes? And, and I know how to peel a tomato. Yeah, but it ain't your tomato. You can peel your tomato any way you want to. But this ain't your tomato. And there were many like things that we thought, well, this would be just fine and good. Oh, no, no, this is the way we want it done. And it's only right. It's theirs. It should be done the way they want it done. That's not being picky. That's just, it's their right. And if the Lord adds you to a situation where it's yours, well, they can do it the way you think the Lord's directing you to do it. People say, well, it ought to be done the way the Lord said do it. Absolutely. But who gets to say what that is? (laughs) I know we're laughing, but this is serious. You know, God has supernaturally gotten people into places where they were supposed to be. I mean, in the right associations and connections and opportunities. 
And then the opportunities that came to them weren't as big as they wanted. It was too little in their eyes. Oh, well, I got, you know, I got a strong call on my life. I got this and that. I can't be over there doing this or, you know, swinging a flashlight and parking a car. And I, that's not what God called me to do. And I'm not supposed to be over there pushing a the broom. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing that. I got a great voice. I mean, why can't I be on the, the platform? If you're not faithful in the little thing, you don't qualify. And people with any wisdom, parents, heads of companies, leaders of churches and ministries, if you have any wisdom, I don't care who they are or what kind of ability they have, you will not take a novice and give them a big charge. What will you do? You'll be led by the Spirit and He'll lead you to give them a little charge. See what they do with it. And if it's too insignificant for them, if it's beneath them, if they haven't got time to, to give it proper attention, and well, then they, you know what you need to know. They're not your person. No matter how graced they are, no matter what kind of ability, no matter how smart they are, no matter what kind of experience they've got in the world, none of that matters if you're unfaithful. Does it? Somebody say little things. Do they matter? Oh, they matter. Oh, they matter. They matter. A lot of times people act like, oh, well, I didn't realize that you said that, or I didn't realize that you want it that way. You know, you remember what's important to you. (laughs) People think it's an an excuse because, oh, I didn't remember that. That's not an excuse. You didn't remember it because it wasn't important enough to you. You're telling off on yourself. If it's important enough to you, You'll write it down. You'll remind yourself. You'll tie a string on your ear and three on your finger. Right? You'll set two alarms. If it's important enough to you, you will remember it. And you'll do it that way. And you'll follow through. And the Lord will see it. And he'll be pleased. And he'll know, that's a man. That's a woman. I can give something else to. They did just what I told them. The way I told them. When I told them. Somebody say little things. Do they matter? What was the other thing? For the long haul. Somebody say long haul. How long does it take to find that out? (laughs) Not a week or two. You can't find that out in a month. Can you? And boy, this is what separates the men from the boys. And the girls from the women. Doesn't it? (laughs) go to Proverbs 28 but we're having a lot of fun tonight can you tell (laughs) Proverbs 28 let's talk about this from the other side of this what would hinder you or actually mess up you being in your place of what we've just been talking about it would be ignoring The little things. Taking things for granted. Not esteeming the little things. Could hinder you. and Prevent you from developing in your place. Or or cause you to, to miss your place. Well. Proverbs 28 and 20. Reveal something to us. Proverbs 28 and 20. It says. What kind of man? A faithful man. Will what? Abound. With blessings. Do you like the sound of that? Everybody 
likes the sound of that. Abound. Man, that's abundance. That's running over blessings. Who will have the running over blessings? Faithful man. But, and this is the contrast of a faithful man or woman, he that makes haste to be rich shall not be innocent. So obviously part of the blessings is being rich. But what is an indicator of an unfaithful person? In a hurry. In a hurry. In a hurry. <laughs> That's flesh. Somebody say in a hurry. In a hurry. Well, when are y'all going to promote me? Well, how long do I have to serve there before you use me for this? Well, the more you talk, the longer it gets. Why aren't y'all using me? Why do you think you should be used? Does the Lord look at the heart? Man looks at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. No matter how skilled you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how much experience you've got, it doesn't qualify you to do the things of God. What does qualify you? Faithful. Faithful. In a hurry. A friend of mine was pastoring another state years ago. And he had a young man come help him to be an associate. And young man talented. And this guy's a friend of mine's a good guy, giver, generous. And uh, this young man didn't think things were moving along quick enough. He wasn't getting to speak enough, and he didn't feel like he was getting enough money, and, you know, he just. Church wasn't all that big and just wasn't all he had envisioned for himself. Somebody say in a hurry. In a hurry. Say it again, in a hurry. In a hurry. Say it again. In a hurry. What can in a hurry do to you? It can get you out of your place. So he says, you know, he he feels led. His words. To leave and pursue some other things. And, and so he did. And he jumped out. And and uh, I was seeing my friend. Talking to him about something. Where's the young guy? Oh he, he left. He was moving too slow for him. He looked at me with twinkles. And I knew. This guy said it. I knew it was true. He said the Lord had dealt with me. If he had stayed with me another year. To buy him a house. Pay for it. A faithful man will what? Abound in blessings. Young man. Now wouldn't that be great? Young man got his own house paid for. How long does that take people in the world? How long does that take people in the world? 20 years? 30 years? See, it looks like it may be taking a while to be faithful, but faithful people actually get things quicker. On the other side, pop, pop, pop. But you got to show some faithfulness up front. Well, why didn't he tell the young man? So uh-uh, he should not have told the young man. He should not have told him. He just missed it. Missed a big blessing. Why? In a hurry. Oh, he's got aspirations. He's a mover and a shaker. He's going places. Yeah, right out of the will of God. 
right out of the place where God put him. Man, there are so many. Phyllis and I talked to them. People that have been in nine different cities the last ten years. Trying this and trying that. Doing this and doing that. Oh, that's not God. People are missing, dragging their family around, spending everybody and their parents' life savings and everything. People are missing God. Why? Because they are too impatient. They don't know how to get somewhere and hook for 10 years or 20 years. Are you with me, friends? God's not going to tell you everything up front. He's going to tell you something to do and he expects you to get there and get in your place and be faithful and stay with it if it's 50 years. And if you will. How many know if you will? If you will, tell me what will happen. What will happen? Oh, you will abound. You may not see it all the first year or two, but you will abound in blessings. Sometimes it may look like other people that are trying to do their own thing are getting ahead of you. Oh, they got a new car and they got a new this and they got. A, you don't know that they're about to lose it every month and you don't know the details. Don't be moved by it anyway. Just be faithful. Somebody say, be faithful. Amen. Be faithful. Stay with it. Stay hooked. Be faithful. Know that God's a good God. He's gonna bless you in the end. He's gonna take care of you. You're gonna come out better off than ever before. Say it out loud. Be faithful. Be faithful. Tell your neighbor. Say, be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. What does it mean, be faithful? What we've already covered, what does it mean? What does it mean? Watch the little things. Pay attention to the little things. Because they're not so little. And what else? Stay hooked for the long haul. Go to the uh, the book of Ruth. First chapter. Two of the biggest ways that people miss God. I'm talking about God's people now. Are by Moving too quick and talking too much. Moving too quick and talking too much. I call it the MTF syndrome. So once I've got a bad case of MTF, moving too fast. <laughs> I don't want to see any hands, but <laughs> have you ever missed it by moving too fast? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Oh, man. Your flesh, my flesh is that way. It's antsy. It's impatient. And you got to get yourself by the ear and say, sit down there, boy. Relax. You had not heard from God. Yeah, but such and such. And yeah, but this is coming up. And yeah, we need to do this. Shut up. Flesh, sit down. Wait on the Lord. Be still. And know that he's God. Wait on him. Every one of us has got flesh. And it's all the same way. Ruth, first chapter. Faithful for the long haul. Or maybe I can say it like this. Faithful all the way. Somebody say all the way. All the way. Faithful in the little things. And faithful all the way. In Ruth 1, Naomi's sons have died. and Her daughter-in-laws are foreign women from ungodly nation. And 
She said, you know, there's no reason for y'all to stay with me. I got no money. I got no other sons that can be your husband. I got no future. Y'all can just go. And one of them did. But uh, Ruth didn't. Did she? And look down in verse uh, 15. Verse 15. Naomi said, after she told him that, and, and the one girl just left, she said, look, you know, your sister-in-law's gone. Back to her people and to her gods. You need to go too. Return after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you. Don't ask me to do that. Or to return from following after you. Because where are you going? I'm a-going. And where are you staying? I'm a-staying. And whoever your people are, that's my people. And your God is my God. And where you die, that's where I'm going to die. And I guess that's where I'm going to be buried, wherever you buried. And the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death separates you and me. And when she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she quit talking to her. She said, well, okay, get your bag. Could she have missed it right here? Naomi wasn't pulling on her to go. What was she telling her? There's no reason for you to stay. But whether Ruth realized it or not, how did she know this? Why did she say this? Why did she feel this way? There was something in her that knew, this is my place. My place is with her. I know I don't have a husband anymore. We don't have any money anymore. We got no future. We got no prospects. But I know this. God hooked me up with these people. He hooked me up with this woman. And I'm supposed to be here. And she said, don't tell me to leave. Because <laughs> where are you going? I'm going. And where are you staying? I'm staying. And she did. Was she blessed? Did she abound in blessing? Covenant-wise, she's a nobody. A what, a Moabitess? Ungodly? Worship all kind of gods? Covenant-wise, she's nobody. And yet, she's in the genealogy of the Master. Jesus! Everybody in heaven knows her. As one of Jesus' great-great-great-grandmas. Why? You talk about abounding in blessings. That's not just for this life. That's into the next. Who's going to abound in blessings? Faithful men. Faithful women. How can you tell a faithful man, a faithful woman? They're faithful in the little things. They're faithful in that which is another man's. And they will go all the way. They are faithful for the long haul. Day in, day out, good times, bad times, plenty, lack, fun, no fun. Did you hear me? Where other people are folding and leaving and making excuses and doing this and that. They're there. I said they're there. 
Friend, you need to be led. If you're going to find and fill your place that God has for you, you'll have to be led in by God. And the only way you're doing anything else is that you really are led by God. Because nothing else is going to move you. You'll finish phases of things, but too many people are just jumping and leaving and they change churches like changing your shirt and change marriages the same way. Change jobs. You know, they are their own Lord. Jesus is not their Lord. He's their Savior. They believe in Him, but He's not their Lord. They run their life. They do what they want, how they want. Was this woman blessed? Help me out. Oh, man. What did she do? You remember the story? Have you read the story? Oh, it's a beautiful story. She's out in the fields picking up scraps. Isn't she? Down on her hands and knees picking up scraps. What people left behind. God knew right where she was. Didn't he? How many know from the time she stood up and said this, God had her own course? Didn't he? She didn't know it. Naomi didn't know it. But God had her right on course. He had her at the right place at the right time. He was already working on others and causing this thing to come together. And the next thing you know, she's in a place she never dreamed of. And she's got a life. She's the wife of the richest man in the whole area and got a beautiful child. And Naomi's and they're all set and doing good financially. And my Best shape of their lives. <laughs> so I say glory to God. What if she had been looking out for herself? Like the other girl. What happened to the other girl? She went back to her gods. Couldn't have been good. How many think the Lord would have made a place for her too? If she'd have said what Ruth said. Certainly. Certainly. But she got to look out for herself. Ain't no future with this old woman. I don't know anybody over there. Going to stay with what she knows. Unfaithful. Friend, when God joins you to something. He joins you to people. He joins you. You know, even in natural things. I mean, God will join you to a company. He'll join you to a place of work. He'll join you to people. He'll join you to a church. He'll join you to a ministry. When he joins it, this is not to be taken lightly, is it? The little things are important. And you need to stay hooked because the enemy will come and he'll do everything he can to separate you and to sever you and cut you off from that supply and get you out of your place. Won't he? He'll try to offend you. He'll try to get you upset, get you hurt, get you mad, get you everything. Do everything that he can. And you got to make up your mind like what Ruth said. <laughs> what Ruth say? Help me out. What'd you say? Uh-uh. Don't tell me to leave because where you going, I'm going. And where you stay, that's where I stay. Why? She knew it. This is where I belong. I'm not going to let anything. Man, it just grieves you. You see people that God's got them in a good place. They're getting nourished and fed spiritually. Their kids and their youth are developing. 
and get up and leave and go a thousand miles where there is no church and there is no family to support them for six dollars more an hour. Not even pray. Oh, well, I can't pass that up. How quick would it take to lose that without the blessing and protection of God? But people don't understand what they're doing. Go with me to 2 Kings. This one you're familiar with. 2 Kings and the second chapter. The two men by the name of Elijah and Elisha. You read about them before? Elijah and Elisha. Second chapter, verse 1. It came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said to him, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? So they went on down to Bethel. The sons of the prophets that were in Bethel came forth to Elisha and they said, Do you know the Lord is going to take away your master from your head today? He said, Yeah, I know it. Be quiet. Hush. You know, just because you know something doesn't mean you're supposed to talk it. Elijah said to him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul is, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elisha. And they said, "Uh, do you know that the Lord's taken away your master from your head today? He said, yeah, I know it. Hush. Elijah said to him, Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, no, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So they too went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and they stood to view afar off and they too stood by Jordan and Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smoked the waters and they were divided hither and thither so that they too went over on dry ground. (laughs) All right. And it came to pass when they were going over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray you, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He knew the value of the anointing, didn't he? Of all the things he could ask for, that's what he asked for. The anointing destroys the yoke, removes the burdens, sets the captives free, enlightens, gives light in life. Oh, thank God. He said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so to you. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, let's just stop here. How is this going to happen? How's it going to happen? Only one way. He's got to stay with him. Right? If he's not with him all the way, then he said it's not going to happen. Now, friend, I know you know this story, but think about it. 
Is he saying what you are called to, your ultimate place and your ultimate anointing will not happen if you don't go all the way? Is that true? Has to be. We know the story that he was and he did see. And he did receive the double portion. And the book goes on following him. And if you follow, there were twice the miracles. Did Elisha operate in his full place? Did he do what he was put on the earth to do? Yes, he did. But was it contingent on him following all the way? Was it? Now let's back up. When did Elijah look at him and say this? After he had passed up three opportunities to not be there. Are y'all with me, friends? He didn't say this early that morning. What if Elijah had stayed at Gilgal or Bethel? What if it had stayed there? Would he have ever heard this question? What do you want? Are y'all with me, friends? No, he didn't hear that question till he had followed him that far. Oh, friends, are y'all with me? Now, he's not disobeying Elijah. Look at the language. I've heard some people say, you know, Elijah tried to make him stay and he just disobeyed. No, that wouldn't be a right spirit. Look at the words. He's saying, tarry here, I pray thee. That's not a command. I pray thee. He's saying, you can stay here. Why don't you just stay here? I got to go. We've been on the road half a day already. You can just stay here. The Lord's told me I got to go on. He said, oh, no. You're not through. I'm not through. Right? Was it a small thing? Just miss this part of the trip today. Is it that big of a deal? You already been on two parts of it. Is it a big deal? I said, is it a big deal? Yes. Yes. Because why? Because his place at this point was helping Elijah. That is his place. That is his grace, isn't it? That's his place. So where else should he be? What else should he be doing? Nothing. That's his job. That's his place. He's supposed to be doing it. And so when he tells him, you don't have to stay. You don't have to keep on with this. You don't have to go to the other place. You can just stay here and rest. He said, oh, no. No. You going? I'm going. (laughs) And it was only after... This repeated situation that Elijah looks at him and says, what is it you want? He didn't hear that until he had already passed test after test after test. Oh, friend, we live in a loud, busy world, don't we? Where there's a thousand and one things to distract you and use up your time and use up your energy. Tempt you away from being where you're supposed to be. Doing what you're supposed to be doing. Friend, we need a revelation of what's important and what's not important. 
Oh, you see so many people that are just casting aside things that are important to do things that mean nothing. Nothing. A friend of mine ministered healing on a you know daily basis, kind of like we did, and having healing meetings. And, and uh, he said, uh, lady came on him to pray for him, and he just knew in talking to her, she wasn't ready to pray and believe. He said, won't you come to the... Uh, the service, we're having a service certain day, you know, get taught on healing, get some faith in you. She says, oh, that's my day to work in the flower bed. My flowers, I, no, I can't come on that day. What do you say to folks like that? This is not an isolated situation. People are doing this right and left all the time. They got this in their mind, what they're going to do and and. I know in, in our classes, uh, there was a lady came to me, her and her daughter one day. They just walked in. She'd been diagnosed terminal with the situation. Brother Keith, could you pray? And I began to talk to them a little bit to, to find out. And I could see, man, they don't even know it's the will of God or not. They got no faith at all to be healed. And I said, we're about to start healing class here in just an hour. You know, stay with us and sit under the word. Oh, no, we're going shopping. Well, they just told me the doctor said she'll be dead in just a few days if they don't have a miracle. So we know what they did. They went shopping. It's pitiful. That people don't know what's important. And what's not. You got masses of people. Christians. Good people. They love the Lord. But they got opportunities. They they had commitments. They told people they would do things at the church and at the ministry. But the least little old thing will knock them out. The, going to the meeting. Of being at the service. Of, of doing their job. They act like that's all, you know, optional. But if it comes to making money, I got to be there. I got to do that. Or if it comes to this or comes to that. Friend, your place is where the Lord told you to be and what he told you to do. And that's number one. And if you got to change something, you change something else, but you don't change that. If you got to do something, you do it another time, but not the same time. That's number one. How do you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How do you do that? It's got to come down to some practical things. Like being at a certain place at a certain time. Doing a certain thing. Being faithful. Being reliable. Being dependable. That's the people that get promoted. That's the people you know you can count on. If you can count on them to do that, you could count on them to do something else. They get increased. They get used more. They get blessed more. So Elisha said, no, I'm staying. He said, well, come on. Got to another place. You can just stay here if you want. He said, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's my job. Supposed to be with you, help you. And he saw him when that chariot come a swooping down. <laughs> Don't you know that was a sight? Ooh. He watched him go outside. Don't you expect he was moon-eyed? <laughs> Is that as far as he could go with him? He can't. He could flap his wings, but he can't. <laughs> it's as far as he can go. And while he's standing there, here comes that mantle floating back down. That was prophetic of the day of Pentecost. Picks it up. 
he goes over to that river. He said, where is the God of Elijah? Boom, and I'm in here, it rolls back. And all those guys that were trying to give him a heads up on what was going on, they looked, they said, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. This didn't happen in a year or two. He's been serving him for years. Somebody say years. Years. Said out loud, years. But this is a glorious thing. Chapter after chapter, he's operating in the full place that he was born to be and do and called to be and do. Oh, does that appeal to you? Does that excite you? Somebody said out loud, full place. Full anointing. Full grace. Are you hungry for it? Is it important? How are you going to get there? Help me out. How are you going to get there? Faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. 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 Stand up on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Master. Lift up your hands and begin to praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, praise you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, lift your voice, saints. Praise Him and thank Him and give Him praise. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.